0: Hi everyone and welcome to season four of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back and to announce that the podcast will now be called the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast to better reflect the subject matter. The first few episodes were recorded before the rebranding so I still refer to it by its old raw fork name in those. Anyway, I had no idea when I started this podcast that it would evolve to this format but I did know that I wanted to share people's stories. It has evolved from me reading my blog post out loud to interviewing non-traditional pharmacists including herbalists. Season 4 will air every Friday highlighting inspirational pharmacists that chose to fit out of the proverbial box and are working to build a new system of care focusing on natural and preventative medicine please enjoy the show hi everyone welcome back to the holistic pharmacy podcast today i had the privilege to sit and chat with an esteemed colleague about a very important topic that doesn't get too much time in the limelight dr danielle Plummer is a third generation pharmacist and former professional figure skater living an active lifestyle has been at the forefront throughout her life She earned her PharmD in 2016 from Creighton University, which has opened up a world of opportunity. She currently works in both hospital and retail pharmacy in Las Vegas and owns two businesses, TeleMD Care and HG Pharmacist. Danielle's main focus now is in improving the quality of life for women with hyperemesis gravidarum. She's super passionate about her children, three daughters, ages 15, 19, and 22, her two rescue dogs, Charlie and Rex, yoga weightlifting collaborative work with other medical practitioners and changing the perception of morning sickness through each of her three pregnancies danielle spent the entire time dealing with nausea and vomiting which turned out to be hg later when in pharmacy school she learned about nutrition when one can't eat and was baffled that nutrition was never discussed during her pregnancies in both retail and hospital danielle sees women with this condition and has learned that most medical practitioners do not understand nor treat it properly. Now Danielle spends all her spare time supporting women around the world with HG with her consulting business HG Pharmacist. Her goal for 2021 is to hire pharmacists to support the demand that exists. She's currently finishing up a pharmacogenetic certification course and has started her doula certification. Next, she plans to dive deep into functional medicine to combine her knowledge of the body, including nutrigenomics and epigenetics to treat her HG patients. So without further ado, let's welcome Danielle to the show. Hi everyone, and welcome to the new Holistic Pharmacist podcast. I'm so excited to introduce my new guest
1: today on the show is Dr. Danielle Plummer. And she's a pharmacist who supports women with extreme warning sickness. So welcome to the show, it's such a pleasure.
2: Marina, thank you so much for having me today. I've been following you online for a while. I love what you do and I've been looking forward to this interview.
1: Amazing, thank you so much. And your support means a lot. So uh, I'm really curious, you know, about your background and where you grew up and why you went to pharmacy school, and you know, how did you become a pharmacist? So I grew up in New Jersey. My parents were originally from Connecticut,
2: and my dad is now a retired pharmacist, but was a director of pharmacy for Wakefern Food Corporations. You know, on the East Coast, they have shop rights. Through my childhood, we always. Um, he traveled a lot, and I followed his career as he grew in the pharmacy world. And then, after I graduated high school, he moved out to Las Vegas, where there was a desperate need for pharmacists. Both my parents were—I'm sorry, grandparents—grandfathers were pharmacists, and um, I always knew someday I would become a pharmacist. Life just took me in this completely large, well-rounded circle till I became one, and that was. Uh, 2016, I finally got my PharmD, so it's been a long road, and the past four years have been truly just amazing.
1: Wow, yeah, I can't wait to explore all the steps that you had (laughs) on your path, but it sounds like you truly have a rich background, you know, with your family history and ancestors, and your lineage is really just like seeped in pharmacy, so that's awesome. I have a fun fact. My grandfather was the last pharmacist in the state of
2: Connecticut to become one by apprenticeship. He never went to college and he had his own pharmacy for many, many, many years. Um, he passed away when I was four, so I didn't get to work with him. But then my uncle, this is on my mom's side, took over the store and at some point in my childhood before I became a pharmacist, he, uh, I think, sold out to a chain. I hate to say that, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what became of the store in the end, but it's fun to look at those old photos of what pharmacy was like back. He with my grandfather, started that in the 1940s. I think uh,
1: he'd be rolling in his grave to know what I paid for pharmacy to get my PharmD <laughs> <tea> today. <laughs> oh my goodness. I went to the historical pharmacist museum in New Orleans. And it was amazing. And, you know, my whole mission is really to connect us to the traditional medicine that really does work and is so cheap and or accessible that we can just incorporate into personal and self-care and use in public health and prevention um, just to keep ourselves strong and healthy so that we can become Mm -hmm. resilient and face sicknesses, you know, without being stressed about it and just fight it off. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's just so amazing that you have this history. And I think if we combine the good things that the past is teaching us with the new technology that's in development, that's the way to move forward in the most you know, accessible to all way. And then still treating the things that need to be treated in like a more aggressive and targeted way.
2: I absolutely love this. That's the absolute truth to take what's been around in your background with as an herbalist Where I went to school, we didn't learn much about herbs. So that's one of the reasons I think after this podcast, you know I'm going to be picking your brain going, how do we treat these women (laughs) that I work with from an herbal perspective? Because there are no safe, FDA-approved, safe and effective medications for hyperemesis gravidarum, the extreme morning sickness that I
1: work with. Absolutely. And it could be so debilitating. And like you said, there's not much modern science is offering us. So we really need Mm -hmm. to look you know, widen our scope
0: and just look beyond and see what is the mechanism and how can we support that system from reacting in that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So definitely. That's a whole other topic that we'll talk about <laughs> later. but let's get back to your
0: journey. So tell me like what you were thinking of doing growing up in high school, you know, where, how did you settle on a college and what was your major back then?
2: Oh my goodness. So you're taking me back. So, um, through high school, like I said, I always knew I would be a pharmacist. I used to work in my dad's store. It was on the New Jersey border um, near Pennsylvania. And it was just what you picture your community pharmacy to be. It was, uh, he knew his customers. He delivered to the local long-term care facility and made sure everyone was taken care of. Um, but I had a passion for figure skating. I grew up as a competitive figure skater and then had an opportunity. Actually, I toured with the Ice Capades and a bunch of other shows in the 90s wow. and coached for a decade. So that was one of the reasons that pharmacy just was put to the side for a while. My parents, I'd mentioned, moved out to Las Vegas because that's where pharmacists were in big, one of the many places. They wanted a warmer climate. You can understand being <laughs> yeah. from, the, from New York, right? Or in New York, yeah. not from New York. And um, so they looked like to the South, they looked to the West and settled on Las Vegas and found out the cost of education at university here was a small fraction relative to the East Coast and said, guess what, you're going to UNLV. And (laughs) I I think for a year, I was touring with the ice shows. I cried, I was so set on the, I was such an East Coaster. Um, It ended up, you know, everything I believe is meant to be in the big picture. And I ended up, when I finished touring, going to UNLV, wasn't sure what to major. in at that point, there was no pharmacy school here. I love touring. I love traveling. And that had been part of my journey for that last year. So I became a hotel management major.
0: Wow! It was
2: fun. Yes. I loved customer service. I love making people happy, making sure they enjoyed their stay. I thought I would go into meeting planning. And then I married actually a Marine. I fell in love, married a Marine and, um, and ended up just traveling as a military spouse for about a decade, coaching, skating on and off. So my whole career, in pharmacy, I always said someday when I grow up, I'd be a pharmacist. And now 2016 came, I got my PharmD. So I think I'm officially grown up. (laughs) But um, it's been a fun, crazy journey. And it's brought me full circle. The one connection with everything was always health, wellness and exercise and looking into ways, what can we do for our body to to feel the best? And and that's been, I think, consistently, no matter where I've lived in the world or what job or career I've had, it's always been surround yourself with people who are happy, who want to enjoy the life. Life is too short to so just be angry or in pain or suffering. And, you you know, you mentioned many times how modern medicine doesn't treat a lot of um the whole body, the wellness side of things we look at, this is what you're suffering from, take this. And I kind of grew up with a little bit of that. Oh, you have a headache, take a Tylenol. You know, oh, you hit your knee, we, you know, start with some ice, but okay, take an ibuprofen, you know, try a cream, let's see what will help. And, but we're not going when we have bigger, um, more extensive disease states. And I love that you and, and all your guests will really look at it from that root cause, from a functional medicine perspective, as a figure skater, we, we damage our bodies really, really bad. And, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll compete and we'll perform through many injuries and they have long-term lasting consequences. So now you got to go, okay, I hurt myself. What can I do? So decades down the road, I'm still not feeling this pain or, or suffering from that injury and your herbal medicine and all these other things we were about to talk about um, with integrative medicine to me is just the way to go. And, in pharmacy school, I don't feel like I learned as much about it in my actual classes. It was very, everything has to be clinically based, which I a hundred percent believe in, but there's so much out there that we don't have the clinical evidence for, which of course is one of the things I am passionate about. And we just need the clinical studies to prove that these long-term remedies really can have a beneficial effect.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. There was so much there that I wanted <laughs> to come back and dissect a little bit. So first of all, like this, that's such a different and unique journey that I, you know, I don't hear from anyone, you know, that <laughs> completely different fields. You're like this amazing athlete, you know, performing and touring around the world and that's your career. So just kudos for that. You know, that's, super unique like i always watch figure ice skating and i'm always like so impressed by the people you know the athletes they're so um eloquent and you know they're almost like dancing on the ice and that's so much harder to do i mean i'm a dancer too and i love dancing on the floor you know on the ground <laughs> but on the ice it's like a completely different set of skills and they're always like so flexible and just beautiful and graceful so that's just amazing that you were able to do that and make that part of your career. Um, and then also that you're able to build a home and a family life while moving around and living in different places and experiencing life in all these different ways. Um, and then as an adult, still making the decision to go and like do that thing that you said you were meant to do as a child and go go for it.
2: Yeah, and it's not been easy. My undergrad was hotel management. So in order to apply to pharmacy school, I had to take all my math and science prereqs that I did not have from the original degree. And I was really fortunate where I went. I don't think they had a time limit on a lot of the classes where a lot of my friends that went back to school for nursing, they had to take that biology, I think within three years. Um, you know, so my prereqs were, but they accepted all my other classes. I think the only non-math or science one um, that I had to take was a communications class and all the others they accepted from my original transcript. So I feel like it still took me I think it was an eight year journey from the time I took my first pre-rec until I got my farm D. raising the children and I did get divorced in the meantime. My ex is my best friend so I can talk about it and smile today but yeah it's not easy and it's not for the faint of heart. It's been a It teaches you I think your background with dance and mine with skating and anyone else that I've met in our field have these backgrounds of just tenacity and perseverance and you become very thick skinned along the way and that's been a learning curve for me as well. And then when I got to pharmacy school, I was like, oh, good. We're all, you know, friends. I had to choose. I had to choose a school that where everyone supported each other. And I would never have made it at a, at a school where, you know, they pit you against each other and grade on a curve because um, I feel like that competitive background is behind me. And my future is really just about collaborative work and supporting each other.
1: Wow. I love that message so much. And I also just want to go back to the fact that you're a hotel management major, yeah. And yes. First of all, you know, even though you knew that eventually you wanted, you were going to do something scientific based, that didn't stop you from pursuing what you wanted to do in the moment, which is amazing. Right. It's like, hey, <laughs> this is what I want to do now. And like, I'm just going to live in the present and then I'll figure it out. And I think that's just so refreshing to hear that because people usually like plan ahead and like try to make the smart decision. Like, oh, this makes sense because eventually I want to do this and that. But it's like, you know what? Life throws you so many curveballs. So, and like you said, it is fickle, you know, and it is short. And we just need to live in the present and just ground ourselves in the present. And then the future will work itself out.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think 2020 taught us more about that than any other year you know, that we can remember in history because I, the, the company I left, So I was a Walgreens pharmacy manager, thought I would stay in retail forever. And I left to be an entrepreneur. I launched a medical concierge service here in Las Vegas. I know the industry, right? I can combine my hotel with my, my love for pharmacy and medicine and take care of all the tourists that were coming into town. That too, the a lot of the patient base I was working with as a Walgreens manager. And I left. I launched this company, and then COVID hit. So, (laughs) 2020 right away taught me. Oh, I got to pivot. And and that's you know, there's no point in pursuing that at this moment in time. Someday maybe I'll get back to that. But uh, yeah, for now, 2020 just taught us you have to what life face, you can't just sit there and cry and say, woe is me, but go, okay, this is where I am now. This is what I thought I was going to be doing. What is it that I can do at, you know, to, to move in the direction that, that fulfills my heart and also, um, adds to the community and the health and wellness of our society.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, you look at the big picture and you realize these are the things I can control. These are the things I cannot control. So mm-hmm. you only focus on that which you can control. You know, the other mm-hmm. factors, you can't do anything about it. You know, you can cry about it or grieve it for a minute, but you can't let it derail mm-hmm. you from actually affecting change into something that you do have control mm-hmm. over and that you can start making moves toward. Which brings me
2: to what uh, the the main focus I'm doing right now. And So I have three daughters and I am so fortunate that they have grown up to be just beautiful and smart and I think happy. (laughs) You'd have to ask them (laughs) directly, but um, through each of my pregnancies, I just suffered from really severe morning sickness called hyperemesis gravidarum. Looking back, I thought I had decent care. It was horrible. Third time around, I absolutely knew what I was getting into, thought I had my ducks in a row and it was still just a nightmare. And then when I was in pharmacy school, I just learned so much about nutrition when you can't eat (laughs) and didn't know that existed. And I thought, how did I get through 27 months of my life through these three pregnancies and not know about tube feeding and not know about these other medications that were never offered to me and never even a conversation with my practitioners. And so that has actually all these changes and all these things I've gone through in life seem to have just brought me all back to this. Um, moment where I can help women, I was surprised to learn with all the women that suffer from this. And, um, I'm part of a, I'm a board member for a foundation called the her foundation, type who I discovered my third pregnancy. And just knowing there were other women out there, this was before smartphones and social media and easy access to information. So I didn't know anyone else that would deal with this. So difficult, extremely difficult and potentially um, lethal, fatal uh, disease state. And then I found that her foundation, my third pregnancy, and I was like, oh, there's other women out there. They've spent the past 20 years really educating practitioners, supporting women, doing research. They published some amazing research, but yet women are still suffering and there's still so many women out there that are just dismissed with this disease state, being told it's normal. So of all these careers I've had through my life, all the traveling I've done, um, it just seems to bring me right back to this is what I'm meant to do for my future.
1: Yeah, yeah. Life is always giving us little signs and nudges, sometimes mm-hmm. more gentle than not. <laughs> so <laughs> it's up to us to pay attention and uh, follow that gut instinct and that healing and that purpose and mission and Now you're armed with all the knowledge, you know, and you can impart it and continue to research any any emerging evidence and ways to help your clients and uh, patients and help educate and spread awareness. Because I feel like, especially in this country, pregnancy in general is almost treated as a disease state. Because you know, it's like a lot of a hospital involved, and I associate hospital Mm. sickness. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, and I think just having it be a pleasant, nice experience for women. And that involves a lot of support and care. You know, like it takes a village to raise a child and it also the mom and the future mom needs a lot of support too. So, um, you know, if we like treat it as a community of support and that if you're not alone suffering with your um, debilitating uh, nausea, I think that's also like very, very helpful and important hmm. And uh, what happens in the United States, and I don't know how it
2: is in other countries. But from the moment you find out you're pregnant, you don't see you don't have a real first appointment to at the earliest eight weeks, maybe 10, maybe even 12 in some situations. So you're missing the most important time where you need optimal nutrition. And you're completely malnourished and dehydrated. And when you reach out to doctors, they'll say, Oh, go to the ER. Well, ER doctors, Are just that they're true emergency doctors and they're not trained on chronic malnutrition and these women aren't being treated as if it were chronic malnutrition which it is and i think if you were to flip the name of the disease state and just looked at the symptoms you would be you know our society would be horrified but because it was pregnancy that's causing this women that can't keep i want to put a trigger warning out i don't want to say anything everything triggers women in this disease state so if i have anyone listening like close your ears because. It's so, it's so powerful what happens to the body when you can't eat and you can't drink and you can't just for extended period of time. So we always say like, take your prenatals. Well, you can't take a prenatal. We say, well, drink water. You can't drink water. We say, well, try to eat something. You can't eat anything. It just comes right back. And it's a terrifying situation. And what happens when a woman can't work is that you lose your job. FMLA only protects you, I think, up to 13 weeks. And even then, a lot of women get a runaround. There's a lot of loopholes through that. So now you lose your job. You might lose your health insurance. Um, You've lost your friends because you can't socialize at all. And for the most part, family doesn't understand. Now, one of the studies that came out was that there is a genetic uh, connection. Dr. Marlena Fejo and the Her Foundation and um, a nurse named Kimber McGibbon, one of the co-founders, published their study. They found the gene that does connect this but I, I think it falls a lot into epigenetics as well. We're just, cause my mom didn't have it. My aunts didn't have it. Everyone's like, what's wrong with you? Why are you still sick? They go, you know, first, Oh, wait till 12, nine, nine weeks, 12 weeks, 15 weeks, 18 weeks. I'm like, I'm still sick. I still can't keep anything. They didn't understand why, why are you still sick? And, um, I didn't live near any of my family at the time. And, and even my girlfriends were like, why are you still sick? Oh, or, oh, it's normal. We all experience it. I go, no, no, I'm completely malnourished. And the fact my girls came out okay is just truly a miracle because I work with so many women now where they're not okay and their babies are not okay. And the scary uh, fact I learned recently was one in three pregnancies do not may of hyperemesis gravidarum patients do not make it to term, whether it's um, because their own organs are failing or they're just so malnourished. And so my, my mission in life is to get all the medical practitioners out there. Not just the OB practices because again, they're not being seen by OB at this point. It's the hospitalists, it's the ER doctors, it's the midwives going, We need to like attack this from the beginning. We can't be cautious because it's just gonna snowball. So, like I said, of everything I've done, all these places I've lived, all these jobs I've had, this is where I just feel there's such a need, and the time has come to combine, Marina, just like you said in the beginning, the natural. Uh, medications or substances that you've worked with and society has worked with for decades, hundreds, maybe even thousands of years with the modern technology we have, like epigenetics and pharmacogenetics and nutrigenomics to figure out what can we do? We can't control those hormone levels. We don't know exactly what's causing it. It may be like you mentioned earlier, HCG, <laughs> before we started we recording, um, it may be the progesterone. There's another hormone called GDF 15 that, uh, the, her foundation discovered has a strong connection has become really high and, and has linked to that extreme, um, vomiting. And, but until we can control those levels, what can we do to help these women? And there's a lot, and it's my mission to get our, as a society, everyone supporting each other.
1: Yeah. I love that. And this connects back to like why you chose hotel management, and you love serving people, and being. In uh-huh. And that totally fits pharmacy too. Whether it's retail or having a consulting business, it's just serving, you know, and using your knowledge to help somebody and improve their outcomes and their health and well-being. So for these women, I just want to re- reiterate that the pregnancy itself is not a pathology. It's normal and beautiful and natural. But this extreme nausea, the hyperemesis gravidarum, that's what is a pathology, and it's not normal. So, what I can you say is that it's really the root cause of that is about malnutrition. Mm-hmm. So, you, from my understanding, um, you know, you really have to prepare the body for pregnancy. So, there's like a whole pre-pregnancy, you know, pre-trimester, I guess. Where you mm-hmm. can optimize your body for fertility, and so in ancient traditions around the world, they all had these fertility foods that they would eat that uh, would, you know, really support uh, the body. And the, you know, growing a new body inside of you it needs additional extra nutrients. So I really followed the Weston Price, um, you know, method, where these are the foods that traditionally were eaten. And right now, obviously, years and years later, with are pretty different environments, more toxic environment that we're just burdened by and more processed foods and inflammatory uh, foods and stressful environments. It, yes, the nutrition has declined in even these healthy foods. But again, I think there is a way to kind of revert back to that wisdom and incorporate it in our modern culture. I have not heard that. I
2: that's one of the number one questions I get is what can I do? I've had one baby, I wanted a bigger family. I can't go through this again. What can I do to prepare my body? And I have to look into this now what these other cultures do and have done for a very long time. I advise women to increase their B vitamins. Mm -hmm. And we have an interesting, um, I guess, historical fact, I don't know the best way to say it. But Many years ago, our government decided to add folic acid to all of our grains, but yeah. we didn't know about the MTHFR gene mutation. <laughs> so, so many of us cannot break down and convert that folic acid, which is synthetic into the natural folate, the L-methyl folate in our body. I found out I do have that gene mutation. Again, it's the fact that I was so malnourished for so long and I have this gene mutation. My girls came out okay to me. It's just hopeful to so many women. But um, I wish our government would step back and say, hey, check this out first. But right now, ACOG, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology is like, let's not test every woman on this, because we haven't, because I'm the perfect example, you have the gene mutation, your girls came out, okay, um, without any birth defects, knock on knock on, you know, you know, thank you. Um, but, but there's so many women that I feel that this, I don't know, we don't know yet, we just need a lot of research to go, does this come into play, How does this work? And that's where that modern science can really help these women. So I always say just start with the methylfolate, the folate not folic acid in your supplement prior to getting pregnant, because you until you find out if you can convert that or not break it down, metabolize it. The other thing I've just learned so much recently is about thiamine, is just as important your vitamin B1, where high levels of thiamine, if you look at our recommended daily allowance set by our government here in the United States, I think it's like six milligrams, something tiny, where we need like 100 milligrams a day. And in that first trimester, if you have hyperemesis gravidarum, you just become depleted right away. So every woman that goes in for an infusion to be rehydrated should also be getting a banana bag with your folic acid or folate, preferably it doesn't come in IV form yet that I know just the folic acid does your multivitamin and your thiamine, your vitamin B one, get that thiamine up. And it really shows not only is it going to prevent complications like Wernicke's encephalopathy and other potential complications that some of these HG women do suffer from. And some have actually passed away from, unfortunately, um, but it's going to help decrease that nausea as well. So when they get sent home from that hospital or that infusion center, they don't within 24 hours just go right back to where they started.
1: Yeah, I know the Diclegis, the you know, the, the most mm-hmm. recent drug um, on the market has D6 behind it. Some of you seem to mm-hmm. think that's the most important one. So can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about that drug?
2: I would love
1: to. The history be, be, behind Diclegis is.
2: Uh, quite extraordinary. So in the 19, okay, let me back you up a little bit more. Back in the 1950s in Europe, they gave pregnant women with extreme morning sickness thalidomide. Um, And the terrifying thing, right, was that all these babies came up with these horrible birth defects. And um, anyone could look at if you don't know, look at this history. And it was actually held up in the United States by one woman in the FDA that says, wait, I can't approve this yet because I haven't seen the, the evidence behind it. And it was her holding that up that prevented an entire society of you know, babies in the United States, prevented them from being born with these birth defects. So after that, as a society, we became uh, understandably very, very afraid to take anything while we're pregnant. And really, if you don't have to, don't. <laughs> you know, in anything with medicine in general, um, you know, it's always the least amount you need for the best effect. And it's always risk versus benefit. Nothing out there is 100% safe. Even the foods you eat, you mentioned in the supplements in the grocery store. So that happened. And then a um, uh, medication came out, it was previously called Bendectin, same medication, your vitamin B6 with your antihistamine in there. And In the 1980s, all the moms who had babies, I say all, I'm generalizing, moms who had babies with birth defects sued the manufacturer of Bendectin. Bendectin then spent a fortune in lawsuits, proved that their medication did not increase the risk of birth defects. They won the lawsuits, but it cost them so much that decided it wasn't worth um, making the medication and making it available. So then when I first became pregnant in the late nineties, nothing like this was available. And I knew because my dad's a pharmacist at the time, um, just go get your Unisom and your vitamin B6 over the counter. Honestly, I couldn't swallow anything. Didn't really get to where it needed for the enough time nothing really helped me. And, uh, and that was that. So I was very surprised all these years later, when Dicle just came out. Um, it was a Canadian company bought the rights, rebranded it. And here I was working at Walgreens seeing this two or $300 medication. That's the same as two very cheap, very old over the counter medications. So it surprised me now that said, it does have a bit of a delayed release. I have met women who swear it helped them. If I were to take pregnant or not pregnant unisom, it would knock me out for like days.
1: (laughs) That's what it's meant to do.
2: (laughs) And that's what it's meant to do because it's working. But the thing is, it's also working the side, well, depends what your indication is and what your side effect is. It does both. It's a sleep med. If you buy it, as Unisom, it's uh, an anti nauseamid if, or happen if, if you buy it as Zyclegius. Now, um, I did read another clinical study that said it, it matched the same as placebo. Is it mind over matter? I think it helps the women who are depleted in vitamin B6. And, um, maybe those ones where it's reaching those antihistamine, the H, um, I think it's the H1, H1 receptors, yeah. H1 receptors. Thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and, and it does have that anti-nausea effect. So there is some, if it, I always tell people, if you want to try it, go ahead. Um, you can start with that one dose at bedtime, taper up to where the manufacturer's recommendations are on how to use the medication. It, we know it's safe. It's the only, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, the only medication FDA approved as pregnancy category A for nausea. But, um, you know, I, we know it's safe, not proven effective
1: yeah i believe so too and but the price tag really is it's like if it's not covered which it's often not um the patient can just take two simple over-the-counters too but they are often reluctant to take two you know tablets instead of one i noticed so they'll be um, convinced that this 200 medication is better than these two simple (laughs) over-the-counters Yeah. And there's now
2: another formulation that's, e- I just blanked on the name, that's even longer lasting. Um, and I think the slower release decreases some of that sleepiness effect, and women tolerate it better.
1: Yeah. So uh, I also, I think I did see another formulation, but I forgot the name too. It's pretty new. So I, I haven't gotten too many prescriptions for it. Um, but basically, I find um that some other therapies are helpful or avoiding certain triggers can be helpful. So you mentioned before with like the synthetic folate and, you know, when I became pregnant, I was by no means an expert on any of this stuff. And I just like did so much of my own research um, when I found out. And like now we have five, nine months to kind of read up on what to do. So that was, gave me a good time to, to get acquainted with um, what to do. And um, I read about Foley, one of the things, and how we need it in the natural form and not in the synthetic form. Mm-hmm. And I also learned that besides you know, the grains being um, formulated and fortified with these synthetic vitamins... Um, and adding them back in is not really doesn't mean it's assimilated back in into our bodies. Mm-hmm. And the way gluten is processed in this country, um, it's just very different, and it could be very inflammatory to us. And a lot of women actually do better with nausea if they're off gluten. That's what the studies that I've read.
2: Interesting. Also, uh, look. So I just want to throw out Bone gesta is the the long lasting combination. And I do want to throw out to anyone listening if to let their patients know, or if you are a patient, if you cannot afford it, uh, there are some ways around it. In addition to what we mentioned, if you do want to try the longer lasting and the, reach out to the manufacturer, they have, if you're not on a government insurance, then they'll have that manufacturer discount coupon and uh, or they have um, other ways to help you afford it. But just throwing that out there, again, we know it's safe. But going back to what you said with the grains, that's absolutely fascinating to me, because I find a lot of women with hyperemesis gravidarum, it's the carbohydrates that their body's craving. Mm-hmm. But yet, we talked about what do you do the months prior leading up to becoming pregnant, have the high I've read um, on women, again, no, there's no actual clinical study that's been done to prove this, but you want that higher protein, higher fat, lower carbohydrate diet prior to becoming pregnant, so that you have those reserves when you do become pregnant, if you were to, go through this. So yeah, we don't know what's going on with grains in our country,
1: huh? Yeah, exactly. And you know what, you can get your carbs intake met without consuming any grains. In fact, you know, prehistorically, this is how we'd never had grains until we had agriculture, right? So, you know, we used to eat kind of like a paleo diet most of the Mm -hmm. time, and we can do absolutely fine if we don't consume grains ever, you know? Um, It's just like, we're so used to it and in the cultures that we grew up in that it just Mm -hmm. wrong not to. But if we look in our own bodies and how we feel, if we do cut them out and then notice a difference, then we might want to just stick to the way when it, it makes us feel good. So just eat the food that makes you feel good and not, and avoid the food that doesn't because you honestly don't need that food. You can have your carbohydrates from starchy root vegetables and from Even uh, some root plants, they're full of prebiotics that we would need and um, really just like healing your microbiome and replenishing your nutrients and Mm -hmm. avoiding grains that might actually take the nutrients out, especially with the way you prepare it. Some grains and legumes, 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 I never say that right. But basically (laughs) these things can be problematic because they can, if they're not prepared the right way uh, they could actually reach uh, nutrients away from us because they contain what's called anti-nutrients that bind to our, whatever is happening in our digest- digestive tract and actually prevent us from absorbing it.
2: Amazing. So the question is, you know, maybe that's something I need to do in the future then is create a diet plan for these women. Cutting out grains, I'm a product of our society. It is not easy. You had a previous guest on a few of them, I think with, with food allergies and children with food allergies, and they've talked about how difficult it is to cut it out, but it, wow, how it comes into play and how powerful it is. in so many different, as quote, quote, disease states, you know, the reactions from it. And that goes back to with hyperemesis gravidarum, you know, we say, we don't know what causes it exactly, but when you're malnourished already, if you've been eating in a typical American diet. That's definitely not going to help you have the healthiest pregnancy.
1: Yeah. And they also monitoring you monitor you throughout pregnancy for gestational diabetes. So oh. the more healthy of a healthy balanced diet that you can have, and that includes uh, more of like a high protein and high fat and just little amounts of carbohydrates, that's how you can get optimal blood glucose balance as well. And I think, you know, just spreading your meals out throughout the day, because when I was pregnant, I was like super hungry all the time. And then I would get, I didn't have, thank goodness, HG, but I was nauseous when I was hungry. So like, Mm -hmm. I always had to keep eating and or otherwise I would start getting nauseous. So I was able to keep the food down. But as soon as I was hungry, I was nauseous. And um, what helped me was doing a lot of fresh juices. Like that's what I was craving. I also always Hmm. say, listen to what your body's craving. So Mm -hmm. I was craving fresh juices. And I'm not a juice person at all. And Hmm. this is what I wanted. And I didn't want anything that I would cook myself. (laughs) I was like, uh, Uh, I don't want my own cooking. (laughs) I'm like sick of it. But I like these juices. And um, if mm. somebody like freshly prepared a meal for me, I would like it. But I would hate to actually do the cooking. Um, and then it just like went away afterwards. And I, I started cooking again. But it, it was funny. And um, I put ginger into my, into my juices. And that's a classic um, bitter, pungent herb that is always used for the digestive tract and for nausea. So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, my mild case, that was, those are the things were that were helpful, like keeping myself full with small meals that had a little bit of protein and fat in mm-hmm. them to keep me full and uh, just juicing and, and putting the ginger in there. That was, that was what helped me. I love that that worked <laughs> for you. Yeah. Like
2: you have no idea because all the women I work with and like me, nothing worked. So like, we would think, what do we want to eat? Well, what would be the easiest coming back up? Like that's <laughs> <laughs> that's how we think when you deal yeah. when you have this disease so um i love the fact that that worked and that's where everyone starts because you can't let your stomach get empty just like you said you don't want that acid to build up mm-hmm. and then then you're just no matter what you eat isn't going to get to where it needs to go and then um the, you know, there's jokes yeah, i've been crackered i've been gingered now ginger does have the clinical evidence behind it which is nice but Um, you know, juicing wasn't a big thing when I was pregnant. So I'm curious if that would have worked or helped. I'm going to put a little survey out and see if that's working for any other women that I that I help.
1: And you know, about drinking water or juice, I also find like drinking small sips is Mm -hmm. more easy to keep down than like gulping something down. And I'm Mm -hmm. very prone to things coming back up. So I'm actually surprised Mm. that um, I didn't have much of an issue with that. Like anytime I take like a supplement on an empty stomach, I, it comes back up. I always need ah. to take my supplements on a full stomach.
2: So that that's amazing. And I'm not I've been by have like a <laughs> cast iron stomach. So that really shows how it, it changes like your body while you're pregnant. And everything changes where things move, how, you know, how they, uh, how, how food stays in you or look the, yeah, sipping is a must. There's no other way with you feel that way, but that's a lot of things like the doctors will miss. And I'm normally not a fan of, um, antacids of any kind, but with these women, it can make all the difference in the world. So that's something that I see doctors miss a lot. I'm actually one of the things I do right now, I've been doing for many years since I graduated was a per diem hospital pharmacist. And every time I work, I swear we have a woman in either in the ER or being admitted for extreme nausea and vomiting. So I always just go over their med list with the doctor and the hospitalists where I work are just, I think, phenomenal and we are open to our pharmacist suggestions where I know when I worked retail, those doctors were not open to pharmacist suggestions. <laughs> and I just like I said, get them on a banana bag, get them high-dose thiamine, get them on an antacid. Um, and I know at the moment we're talking like pantoprazole, IVs, backwater, it's hard to get. So we'll get them on famotidine, one or the other. But something so we can get that acid settled down before they go back home and then I always tell people, cause you know, the long-term effects of those, um, PPIs and HRAs are
1: just not good. Yeah. So as soon as you don't
2: need it, get off it, but if it's going to save you through this pregnancy, give it a try.
1: Yeah. It's always risk versus benefit every single time.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So what about just simple things like Tums or Alka-Seltzer? Um, yeah, they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds
2: good. Uh, I am a proponent of TIE like Tums because it has that calcium in it. Yeah. You know, it's great. I always tell people, give it a try. The problem is when you try that a lot early on and it comes back up, just the thought of it or just the look of it, now it makes you sick. So it's one of those, just like we talked about with diclegis early in the pregnancy, give it a try, see if it works. It's not going to hurt you, right? I always tell people, just make sure you don't choose any of like roll aids or anything with aluminum in it because you don't want to be taking that while you're pregnant. But th- but that's where we start. You know, we're going to start with Tom's, We're going to start with your diclegis and see if that works. If that helps, it, great. And then you don't have to move on to the more um, controversial, I would say, medications. Which goes back to originally, if you're pregnant, you really don't want to take anything. You don't have to. Can I talk about
1: Zofran? I yeah. know it's a holistic yeah. website. <laughs> Before you go on Zofran, one more thing about the over the counter is so like my Lanta is a safe over the counter, but that has aluminum hydroxide. So that would be a no-no. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing that it, hey, it's up there on the shelf for everyone. And, you know, doesn't really say not safe for pregnancy. It's I mean, crazy, maybe it does, right? Maybe it does have a, a generic disclaimer, but you I, I don't. Th- I don't think it does. I think you're yeah. right.
2: And, um, yeah, when you're pregnant, I always tell people, ask your pharmacist, (laughs) they will look up and recently they changed, not so recent, but you know, they changed the categories from, um, you know, a being the safest and then, you know, X being teratogenic and they're coming up with a new system, but I haven't seen it in play yet, but you got to just research what's don't go by the name of the product, go by the active ingredients in it. So, Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah, so Amazing. what did you want to share about Zofran? Um, okay,
2: so Zofran, I just love to get this message out because when I did my own pharmacogenetic test, I found out I have a variation that would increase nausea and vomiting in me based on the ABCB1 gene, and it's a SIP metabolizer as well. So I'm urging every pregnant woman to get this done. What happened in uh, Europe, a clinical study was done very small and, in my opinion, very flawed. That showed a slight increased risk in congenital abnormalities. Now, I have met, uh, There was a pharmacist on a Facebook group I'm part of that swore that that her baby was born with these birth defects. So I don't want to discount anyone who's had these experiences. My heart goes out to you. Um, that said, there was a, a meta-analysis done by Harvard and many other studies afterwards that showed on Dantatron or Zofran did not increase the risk of congenital birth defects. But the European Medical Association had already run wild with this. And it's very difficult for these women to get that in Europe. I met a pharmacist that I'm friends with and I met, I had coffee with one of my local pharmacist friends here in Las Vegas, recently said, Oh, yeah, I won't dispense that to pregnant women. And I, I was just horrified. I said, you can't do that. It's risk versus benefit. If somebody's lost their job, they're going to lose their baby, potentially their own life because of this. Wouldn't a dose of ondansetron help? And honestly, we realize we know it's not a dose; it's a whole lot of doses for a very long time. But I, I just want to make sure everyone understands to talk to that patient, talk to their doctor, and make that decision. See if you can get that pharmacogenetic test on before saying yes, it's safe, or no, it's not safe for that patient. Um, the amazing thing is, I found out a granisetron patch. named Sancuso actually has a much better effect. You wear the patch for a week and the women that I've met that have been doing this uh, don't ever have to go back into the hospital for IVs afterwards. But it's uh, normally a non-form, you need a prior auth and you need a doctor who's willing to approve that. So I hope in the future that would come first before on Ondansetron, but we don't have accurate numbers. We don't have studies and funding is just extremely limited it's amazing the NIH, the CDC, they're doing all this research on other rare maternal disease states. But for some reason, this one with hundreds of 1000s of women that are just suffering terribly, there just isn't much funding to it. So hopefully we'll get there.
1: Yeah, based on uh, just my own research from like friends and family, I think there is a bit of a correlation if it's a girl or a boy that you're carrying? Well, have you found that or no? Okay, I personally had three girls. So if you ask my own
2: personal experience, yes, but we know in the scientific world, personal experience or one case study doesn't mean anything. Um, The big picture I've seen said no. The other thing interesting is I've met women where they had a child with a hyperemesis pregnancy with one father or more than one child with that father. Um, and then gets divorced, have a, or relation, has another relationship with or marriage with a different father and doesn't have it.
1: And I would love to get some clinical research to see if there's any validity behind that as well. Yeah, it could be just like we have the reaction to the rhesus po- positive or negative factor. It could mm. be like something in the genetics that is not either not identified or we're just not sure what it is yet. Um, Mm -hmm. that's reacting, like maybe the mother's body is almost trying to reject this baby because it has Mm -hmm. been from the father and it's not as compatible as with another maybe partner. So that's, you know, that would be my hypothesis. And I would also love to see some data. But from from the small amount of research that I did, it seems like it correlates more with girl babies. But again, that has to be uh, proven on a larger scale.
2: Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I'm supporting your hypothesis there (laughs) (laughs) in my own life. So, um, I also, I, I wasn't going to throw, throw out there. I actually, my, my ex, I have an allergy to his seminal plasma. So prior to becoming a pharmacist and becoming part of the Her Foundation, I had reached out to Dr. Marlena Fejo and she said she had seen that connection. Now, there's no way I'm ever going to get pregnant again. I make sure that but I would be curious if I were to with, with someone else who I don't have that allergy if I would have had hyperemesis, We'll never know. But again, that's
1: on my list of research projects to. To do in the future. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I want to get back to your vision for your current business. And so what do you do now? How do you work with women? And then what do you see as the future, you know, as the company grows? This is amazing, because like I said
2: earlier in the podcast, I kind of fell into this just as a survivor and as a pharmacist. And it started a year and a half ago, I left my my corporate job. I went to a conference for pharmacist entrepreneurs and everyone's like, you got to do this. I'm like, I'm just going to start with a blog because I have so much information that people need to know. And from that blog, it just turned into women reaching out to me around the world saying, I need help. Do you have any information for me? And I became then last fall or a year or so a year, over a year ago, uh, found a board member with the Her Foundation. And now we have, I almost want to call it like this team of superheroes. It's incredible because you get these women that have tried everything. And I'll throw out there, the Her Foundation has a medication treatment algorithm that I urge everyone to go to. It's hyperemesis.org slash tools, starting with your vitamin B6 and working down all the way. And we'll get women reaching out to us from just this week, one in Kosovo, one in Israel, a couple local, another in Taiwan. His, the husband is like, please help my wife. And it's really just around the world. We know there's women that need help and need the support. So I started as a blog. Um, I've, I've launched a consulting business On Sunday nights, I do I co-host a live Instagram uh, IGTV with Kimber McKibben from the Her Foundation and women can just go on and answer questions. My goal in the future would just be to get um, a whole, a whole corporation of pharmacists corporation might be the wrong word. Pharmacists working with me in conjunction with the practitioners. Cause as you've mentioned on previous podcasts, that's really as a farm D our weak link is going, we can't bill insurances. I want every one of these women to get a pharmacogenetic test because I already mentioned on dancitron but guess what? You know, we know all the meds we've talked about and acids that are all metabolized by the SIP system. And they don't know, they don't know their doctor says here, try this. And well, how do you know that's the best for your body? So I have a plan with my consulting business. So each of the women I work with, then um, will get their pharmacogenetic tests. We're going to work with their practitioner and Formulate the best plan. Now, even with the best laid plans, there's always challenges, and that's where the Her Foundation has this crisis hotline that can step in. And we have a team. We have a um, nurses, medical doctors, obstetrician who's also medical doctor, but uh, you know, a specialty mm-hmm. field at high risk, and um, nurses, social workers, case managers, and we come together and we're like, okay, this they like last down on the list is one of the last meds is steroids. And for some women, that's their lifesaver. Now we know how steroids work in the body. You can't just say work here and not there like all meds. So it's a big risk when you want to get to that, but Hey, get your pharmacogenetic test done. let's get a gauge on how to dose this. So you don't end up with too much of it, but yet your nausea and vomiting is decreased and you can get some nutrients in you from there. There's experimental meds. Um, Mirtazapine is one gabapentin is one. I just spoke with a researcher, a doctor in, um, the Northeast as well, who published using gabapentin for HG women and swears by this, again, risk versus benefit. Right now, we're not starting there. Much more research is yet to be done. So um, so that's just one component. Mental health is a completely, it goes hand in hand. There's women out there being told that, oh, it's all in your mind it's not in your mind, it's in your body and it's affecting your mind. So what can we do to help you mentally? And we just did an Instagram live on this Sunday night, just about different things that you can methods you can try and then follow them through the pregnancy. And then postpartum, this is traumatic. You can't just suddenly become normal again and eat what you want. And and feel good. It takes time. The body takes years to recover from being malnourished that long. And mentally, it takes a toll. And for those women whose babies don't make it, it's a lifelong uh, journey of therapy and mental health to to feel good again. So uh, there's so much I want to do with this consulting
1: business. Wow. Well, it sounds like you're a woman with a mission, grand mission. (laughs) A big problem that needs help. You know, the women need your help, and I want to also point out the medications all that we mentioned mostly all cross the blood-brain barrier and do go to your mind. So, you know, mm-hmm. the problem definitely originates there, but it's having very very physical effects. So, uh, I want to thank you for your time and for your mission. If you just have like one more minute left, let's do a rapid round question. Go ahead. Round. Sure. Um, all right. So, what? Uh, what's the number one thing that someone could do to improve their quality of life right now?
2: Right now, being in this strange state of COVID, I would say surround yourself with positive, positive minded people. I am so lucky to have you in this network of pharmacists. I have family and friends. When I quit my Walgreens job, they're like, what are you doing? You can't, you can't (laughs) leave your corporate job. You have student loan debt and kids in college. And, um, But everyone supported me. And it's just been an amazing journey. But if I'd been surrounded by people that didn't support me, it would have been just brutal. And right now with what's on the news, there's always horrible things on the news, you know, be aware of what's going on, but don't dwell on it. Stay positive, positive minded. And you've talked before about all your I don't want to repeat what your other guests have said completely, but really meditation, eating well, and, um, going with your herbs to figure out what works for your body so you can stay off of all those meds is the best thing to do exercise for sure
1: completely agree what great advice um number two what's your favorite um hobby okay well i have to say figure skating
2: (laughs) of course i don't get to the rink yeah i do (laughs) i love it i did um my body though still thinks I'm a teenager and then my (laughs) brain no sorry that reverse that my brain thinks I'm a teenager and then my body says no be (laughs) careful so I need to be careful um But I uh, yoga and weightlifting just make me feel good. And that's easier to get to on a daily basis or almost daily and do my friend said when COVID hit and all the rinks shut, my friends whose daughter takes lessons, set up this little like plastic, it's a polyurethane mixture like rink in her garage. So that is my goal is to go
1: buy one of those so I can skate anytime. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, can you tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you and ask you any questions and just reach out? Absolutely. I would love to. So my blog is
2: hgpharmacist.com for hyperemesis gravidarum, HG Pharmacist. You can reach me at info at I'm at HG Pharmacist on pretty much all the Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm Danielle Raymond
1: Plummer, pharmacist in Las Vegas. I would love to connect with all your listeners. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. It was a blast having you on and I look forward to talking soon. Thank you so much.
0: Bye. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new. I certainly get super inspired and motivated by my guests, and I hope the same is true for you. If so, I would really appreciate an honest and sweet review on any of the podcast platforms. Thank you, and I hope you have a great week ahead.